One of the things that I often say here at Rock City Church is that God wants an army instead of an audience. And too many of our churches have become more audience and performance driven. I think we all know that. Now, this church is growing and it's going to continue to grow. But if we don't get some things in place right now, then the chances are likely we could wind up, wind up becoming an audience driven church as well. We have to be aggressive. We have to be spiritually minded in everything that we do. We have to have power, signs and wonders, and miracles, but you don't build a church on that. You build a church on vision, leadership, and family, but it also has to have the supernatural. Everything Jesus did was supernatural. How he loved, how he raised up family, how he mentored the disciples, how he laid his life down. All the things that he did was supernatural. But the problem is, is most people haven't seen the supernatural demonstrated or exhibited in a normal way. We have charismatic churches that have become charismaniac churches. We've had churches that are solely built on the supernatural revelatory realm of God, but they don't know the word, they don't know how to love, and they don't know how to do relationships very well. And I don't diss any one church. What I do is, is I call out the things that I know are in our society in the westernized culture of church that are unhealthy, and then I challenge you to be healthy. And I also want to remind everybody watching online and everybody here, you don't get to pick your church. I know it seems like you have the freedom and many of us church hop and we go to places that feel good or seem right. But you have to go wherever the Holy Spirit calls you to go. And many times the Holy Spirit will lead you to a place that's not comfortable. Because comfortable is nowhere in the Bible. God never called us to be comfortable. Does God bring comforts to our life? And does God cause us to comfort one another? You bet he does. But living in a place of being comfortable can often cause us to be complacent or passive. And that's why God more often causes us to live in a place of tension and in a place where we have to be measured, judged, and where we can step into the light without fear of being cut the wrong way. Most of you should know the famous contractor's proverb. I've got some general contractors here. The, contra the, the proverb is, measure twice, cut once. And what's happened is, is we have churches and we've created a culture where most people don't want to be measured. And there's a lot of reasons why people don't want to be measured. We don't want to be measured because we're afraid that we'll be cut wrong. We're afraid that those measuring us will not bring healing and health and wholeness to our lives, but rather will beat us down or judge us erroneously or not understand us. But my heart is to build a culture and a family that's fully transparent and free to be open without shame. You know, I do a lot of measuring on a daily basis, especially with my kids. In fact, I seem to measure all day long. This morning, there was some real measurement going on. My kid, my son was in major, major meltdown, and I was pretty mad. I was like, what do you want for breakfast? He said, I want toast and a granola bar. I said, okay, well, I know how this works. He eats the granola bar first, and then he doesn't want the toast. So I made the toast first. I handed him the toast. He said, I don't want this toast, and threw it on the floor. Can I just tell you there was some measuring going on in my house today? I was mad about that piece of toast. I was like, no granola bar for you. And then, of course, big giant crocodile tears. I'm a big softy. He knows how to win me over. I'm such a pushover. 
here comes the crocodile tears. I'm like, then I start thinking the boy's too skinny. He's going to starve. Maybe he's not feeling good. Next thing you know, here's the granola bar, right? If we don't measure our children and judge even our own children and teach them right from wrong, they can do things that harm them or kill themselves. You all should know that. We've taught our kids to look both ways across the street, but many times I test them. So we'll go to cross our street. I know there's no cars coming or we're somewhere. There's no cars coming. I've looked. They're like, la -da 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 -da. <laughs> they're playing, talking. I'm like, okay, let's just see if they've learned anything from me. We start walking into the street. I'm watching them, and they're just like, <laughs> right into the street. I'm like, man, they're not listening to anything I teach them. And then I correct them, and I teach them firmly how important it is that they always look both ways when they cross the street. Now, I'm always there to hold their hand, but I teach them to pay attention. But I also measure them. I teach them right from wrong, but I always do it by the Spirit. And this morning, it's very, very important for each of us to understand that if we're going to go where, we, where God wants us to go personally, we have to be measured. Every single thing you see has a measurement. Everything. Your clothes, your pants, your shirt. Even you, Some of you even know how long your hair is, for goodness sakes. The microphone, my ring, computers, laptops, the ceiling tiles. Every single thing has a measurement. And in the Bible, God speaks a lot about measuring rightly and accurately. In fact, it's a law to not measure unjustly. And some of us have to allow ourselves to be measured. We have to. In fact, all of us do. Not just some of us. All of us do. But we have to create a culture and an environment where there's transparency and trust to be measured. Right? See, I was totally freaked out about being measured. In my early days as a Christian... I was going to some real supernatural Pentecostal churches. Some of them had a lot of issues. And I'd walk in, and there would be an old Pentecostal lady beaming at me with her laser eyes right as I walked in the door, and I already knew I was in trouble. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. She would get a hold of my collar, put me up against the wall, and call out all my stuff. And more often than not, it would be right, but not righteous. I mean, I had Jezebel, I had Absalom, I had every demonic spirit you could ever think about, it seems like. And then I just got more freaked out about being measured and being judged, okay? Now, we need prophetic people, but we need prophetic people that measure in love. We need prophetic people that have the undercurrent of the fruit of the Spirit and a bridled mind of the Holy Spirit in everything that they say and do. That's what family does. And most people, when they're in shame or living in sin, will isolate themselves or hide because they don't want to be called out. Or they don't mind being called out, but they're afraid of what's going to happen when you do. And that's why it's, it's imperative that we understand God is merciful, he's kind, he's loving, and he cares for you as a child. Because the Bible says if we're not chastened by the Lord in Hebrews 12 or disciplined by God, we're illegitimate sons and daughters. If I did not correct my children properly, they would be illegitimate. If I did not discipline them properly, they would be illegitimate children. But God says, because I love you and because I care about you, I want to correct you in a healthy way through mercy that causes you to live abundantly the way I've called you to live. Sadly, too many churches are judging with the wrong mindset. Listen, the world has lost its mind. The world has lost its mind. And it lost it thousands of years ago in the garden. 
This isn't new news. Anybody without the spirit is out of their mind. So all the root of mental illness comes all the way back to the garden of people without renewed minds by the spirit, bridled without the mind of Christ, living on their own intellect, and they don't realize it, and it spun them out. Drugs, alcohol, abuse, abuse from parents, all these rooted issues that cause people ultimately to spin out. And in the near future, I'm going to be doing a new series titled Blind Mind. And I'm going to be teaching about schizophrenia and bipolar and mental illness, not from a clinically psych- clinical psychologist perspective, but from a biblical understanding perspective. Because I fully believe that God can heal the minds of his people. And I believe that we have to have a place where there's transparency and love and trust and intimacy and relationships in a healthy way that can break the shackles off the minds of people. Healthy family and true love can do it. It'll cause people to want to continue to come back and get into a relationship with you because we're loving them as fathers and mothers, the way church is supposed to be. And we can do this at 500. We can do this at 1,000. We can do this at 10,000. And the only way that it can happen is if we reproduce a spiritual family. If it's not driven by corporate church, if it's presence over purpose, if it's a place where there's a real army of lovesick worshipers that fight for the lives of those that are hurting and broken. And yes, I'm angry by the news. Yes, I'm angry by the shootings. It angers me, and I cry out to God. But it's not in an angry way where I sin. It's in a way that says, I've got to do something by becoming a difference maker and challenging you to live differently and to set the captives free so our own sons and daughters and our own children and people in our own community don't do what we see in the shootings all around the world, especially in our own country. Everything has to be measured. God has a measurement for everything. The temple, the ark, the city of God, everything. Just read the Bible. It's like measurements everywhere. And God wants us to justly and accurately measure. And the first way for us to really understand measurement is to measure ourselves. We have to first measure ourselves. Next week, I'll talk about how we measure each other in a right, healthy way. That's next week, part two. But today, I want to talk to you about measuring yourself. So David said this awesome thing in Psalm 139. He cried out to the Lord, and he basically said, measure me. Everything starts with you first saying, here I am, Lord. Here I am, God. If there's anything in my life that's offensive, if there's any anxious way, God, test me, search me, measure me, know me. If there's anything wicked inside of my heart, God, I don't want it. That is the first place to your freedom. The first place to your freedom is when you transparently open up your heart and your mind and say, God, I don't want anything inside my life that's not of you. Now, what I want you to understand is that God is merciful, and we're going to talk about that more in a moment. Even in the midst of shortcomings and failures and struggles, I can assure you that God is merciful. And when you can see that God is merciful and loves you, you can find rest in the mess. See, I know I got stuff to work on. I'm a great work in progress. I've come a long way, but I still have a long way to go. But I've learned to find rest even in the midst of things in my life that aren't healthy. Now, I don't want them. I don't want to keep running back to things that I used to run to. But I also realize that I love Jesus and I need his help and I want more of him. And I've got something in my life that I need rooted out. So I say, God, first, here I am. Next week, we'll talk about confessing your sins to one another. How that brings healing. But today, it starts, everything starts between you and the Lord first. Accurate measurement 
first starts between you and God. Let me give you an awesome definition of measurement. To measure something is the extent, dimensions, and quantity of something ascertained especially by comparison with a standard. To accurately measure is to compare it to the standard of what it's supposed to be. And in our cases, the standard is what? The word of God. The Bible sets the standard and the moral compass of how we're to live. I'm on a pastor's council every, every month with pastors from all over the city, all different, different denominations. It's called the Moral Compass Initiative. And what we do is we speak to the city gates, the city councils, the governing leaders about the moral compass of God's biblical standards. We make our voice heard. We want to see our society, our community live according to God's standards. That's the kingdom way. And we do it in love, and we do it accurately, and we represent our congregations. No, I'm not okay with men and women sharing bathrooms. Sorry, I love you, but I'm not okay with it. And if they want to institute that in our public schools, I'm not okay with it. And I know some of you may not like that, and I love you wherever you're at, but you need to understand that there's biblical standards that we have to adhere to, and somebody's got to make their voice heard. Somebody's got to raise wisdom. The Bible says wisdom cries out in the streets for all to hear. And I'm not weird about it. I love them. They love me. I've got influence because I'm also in the economic mountain arena of this city through being bivocational and having coffee shops. But we do it with love. We do it confidently. And we have to measure. We have to measure. We have to make our voice heard. And so God wants us to be measured. He wants to measure us. And that's why he says, first, ask me to search you. And know what God's standard is. We teach it all the time. Get in the word. And understand that the word alone by itself cannot change your life. I said this yesterday at a pastor's meeting at a conference. The Bible in and alone and of itself is the written Logos word. It will wash you and make you clean, but without the spirit, you'll become a Christian Pharisee. And you'll have a lot of truth and you'll know a lot of Bible, but you'll become religious. You know how many people I get into Bible ping pong matches with? Listen, there are a lot of people that know the Bible better than me and you. Just try to argue with a Jehovah witness. It ain't going to work. They'll walk out the door or you'll just get into an argument. I've learned with Jehovah Witnesses or Mormons or people that come to my door, the best way I can rock them is with the supernatural. So I take it to the spirit because the spirit has a way of touching their hearts and their lives and their minds. Some don't want it, but some do. I've had some powerful encounters over the years praying for them. Muslims too. Because they don't have a daily savior of forgiveness. They have a workspace faith. So measuring is vital and it's critical if we're going to really, really grow and go to where God's called us to go. I say a lot here, God measures us by our relationships. He measures us by how well we do relationships. Because the proof is in the pudding in how we do life. So if we're isolated and we're hidden, we're not living to the standards that God's called us to live in. You cannot be isolated, but the devil will work on overtime to get you isolated. And then he'll make you a Lone Ranger Christian. And there's no such thing. It's not in the Bible. God raises up a community, a body, and an army to do it together with. 
But the minute you isolate yourself, the minute you allow shame to take root in your heart is the minute that you'll hide and you'll blame others. And now you won't be able to step into the more God has for you. Now on the flip side, we have to have confident mamas and papas that know how to judge rightly, that know what the standard is. Amen. That's why you're it. You say, well, you can't keep waiting on someone else. Get healthy. For you, measure yourself. Let God measure you. You can't just be a pew sitter your whole life. You can't just keep going in and out of church once a month, twice a month, hearing a good message and leaving the same. We have to take ownership of our hearts. We have to take ownership of our lives. And we have to take an inventory. As a business owner, if I don't know my inventory, one, I can't report it properly on my taxes. But number two, I don't know what I have and what I don't have. So I take inventory in my business. I take inventory of my own heart, in my own life. And so that's what David would do. Another great definition of measurement is to assess or judge someone. This is in the Webster's Dictionary. To assess or judge someone or something according to the standard. So we can see that judging and measuring go hand in hand. Now, when I start talking about judging, I mean, imagine if I would have titled this message, The House of Judgment. I mean, that would have freaked some of y'all out. Instead, I titled it Measurement with, with Mercy because they go hand in hand. But we have to understand that God does want us to judge ourselves. He does want to judge us now, and he wants us to be able to judge others. You say, well, the scripture says, judge not lest you be judged. What, this, what it's saying is, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. And we judge rightly, and I'm going to show it to you by the Spirit, because the Bible says we compare spiritual with spiritual. To, to be a judge is a qualified person with authority that gives an opinion, conclusion, or verdict on a matter. That's why God has governmental standards in the kingdom. That's why we have a mother and a father in a home. There has to be accurate judges. You think God's not into judging? He titled a whole book in the Old Testament, Judges. And there was men and women in it, judging, FYI. If you're a sports fan, especially if you're into football, and I won't mention any team names this morning, I'll make some of you get right up out of this church. Listen to this. In sports, it's an official who decides the results of, comp of a competition or watches for an infraction of the rules. Ye Some of you got yellow penalty flags going off everywhere in your life right now. But you see, when you know you're in a place of trust and process, when you know your pastor has had 26 years of failures, mistakes, and overcoming, when he's been through a lot of difficult times and overcome it and has had mercy given to him, guess what? You can now be judged with mercy. If you don't see God as merciful, as loving and caring, if you see him as a harsh father, if you see him like the man that was given the one talent and buried it because you were afraid of what God would do to your life, then you're never gonna be able to walk and rest or get the freedom that you need. 
See, I walk in rest even when I know I have things that still need to be aligned because I'm constantly saying, God, correct me, refine me, judge whatever it is, Lord, I don't want it. I want to love my wife better, my kids right, and I don't know how to do any of this without you. Right? So they have to go hand in hand. God really cares a lot about judges, judgment, and justice, and the Bible has a lot to say about it. But we're going to focus on ourselves this morning. And what I want you to know is though we're a prophetic church, you're in a place where there's integrity, authenticity, and transparency for you to find your freedom and come into relationship with someone. You may not like everybody, and you may not like all the leaders that are here. But more leaders are coming, and some of you will be that. This church is growing, and it will continue to. We have to not allow offenses to be inside of us because the classic line, that which offends you is in you, is so true. I know every time I get offended at my wife or a situation, it's something that's inside of me. So God wants to refine us to be more like him. And the only way that we're going to be more like him is if we allow him to inspect the fruit of our lives first and we're open and honest with him, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 31. If we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Verse 32. But when we're judged, we're chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the Lord or with the world. And the point is this, is that the world is under this, is under an incredible condemnation. Those that are in darkness, John chapter three says, are already in condemnation. The word condemnation in the Greek is the word crisis. Do you know that? There's, the world's in crisis. Wouldn't you all agree? I think that's why you guys are here this morning, because you want to find answers to deal with a crazy world. But in order to deal with the crazy world, we got to get crazy out of us first. Am I right? So what we don't need is a crazy church. We need people flamed on supernaturally with great revelation and wisdom and power. But I need you to do relationships healthy and right. And I need you to get cray cray out of your head. Now that takes time for, for some of us longer than others. That's for, I'm not going to look at any of you. So what you have to understand is that God wants us to first inspect ourselves. And one of the things that I learned a long time ago is I was so freaked out about judgment that I was like, man, I don't ever, Lord, don't judge me, please, because I would think that God was just going to wipe me out. I really had this fear of God as a terrorist. Now I have a fear of God that's in awe and wonder of his love and care and honor towards him. See, when you create this culture, you can have a culture where people can freely communicate and get things into the light without walking out with shame. Had someone come up to me this morning, a, a single mama, confessed crazy stuff. Every day I have somebody confessing something, porn, whatever it is. I already know how prominent it is. The first step is to get into the light. The first step is get into relationship. God measures us in relationships, and sometimes they're messy. You're a, some of us are a mess too. So instead of pointing fingers and getting offended, we learn to get in a relationship. Again, I'll talk more about that. But see, if we would judge ourselves and allow the Lord to chasten us, this isn't the most popular message, but it should be because what this does is it causes you to step into the more God has for you and be pure and upright and healthy in your heart. So now God can use you more. God wants to use you more. 
He has such a plan and purpose for your life. But I can't tell you how many leaders and potential leaders, mostly potential leaders, that I have here right now and at the last service that come to Rock City Church that are full of gifts and full of power, but their personal life's a mess. Man, flamed on of what you can do, but your marriage is on the rocks. And I already know one of the measuring characteristics and qualifications for leadership from God is if you can't measure, manage your own house, how can you manage God's house? But the be- here's the beautiful thing. The beautiful thing is now that I have that conversation, I can help you with your marriage. Because if I can get your home life in order and your heart healthy, imagine what you can do in the kingdom, right? So I have to actually hold back on promoting people so that their personal lives can get healthy. That's not something most churches do. You know why? There's a need. I got to fill it. And what I hear from most churches, not all, and a lot of conferences is serve, 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 serve. And if you'll get into servanthood and become a servant, then you'll make connections, you'll build relationships, and it will really cause you to get excited about what you're doing. But here's the problem with that. If you're not secure and confident in your identity as a daughter, and you don't have a good disciplined private life, where you're consistently consuming the word and in his presence and growing spiritually, then what happens is, is you'll find your value and identity in what you do. And then what happens if you blow it up or somebody else blows up on you? Then I'm firefighting blow up situations at a church all day long. So we move real slow because we care about you. We move slow because trees grow slow. Sometimes way too slow for me, but I'm like, come on, can't you grow a little bit faster? But the Bible says don't entrust the work of the ministry to a novice. A novice means somebody that's yet to bear fruit or a sapling tree. Because if you're promoted prematurely, the Bible says you'll fall into the same condemnation as the devil, which is pride. And there's, I got a lot of people that come to Rock City Church that have been valued based on their service for years at their last church. And then they come here with the ministry resume of look what I can do. But I already know they have no concept of understanding of who they really are in their identity. And so I ask people kindly to take their time, get into a relationship. Let me see how you do life. Now, we don't want to program everything. But what we do do is we offer a lot of great opportunities for you to get connected. We do that through Cultivate which is the supernatural Sunday morning discipleship class that you're all invited to. I got an incredible report. One of my friends, a new family that's been coming to the church now sometime in the last six, seven months, got baptized in the Holy Spirit. In Cultivate. I'm like, yes. Good job, Warren. Good job, Steve. And all the leaders, Nikki, that were there. So we want to create opportunities and avenues for us to learn to do relationships together so that you can come out of hiding. Come out of hiding. That's the first step. Find somebody that you can trust and talk to. Find somebody that you can love and that can love you well. And if you can't find them, I got great news for you. Become one. So what happens is if I'll just go and let the Lord judge me, everybody say, judge me now. Oh, that may be so hard for some of you. Let's just say it like we mean it. Judge me now. 
Because that's, see, judgment brings justice. And it ultimately brings justice to every crooked area in our life. So I say, just do it now, Lord. Go back a verse. This is all in the context of communion. Is that if, we're, if we would judge ourselves, I won't fall under the condemnation or judgment or crisis of the world. Okay? Hebrews 12, verse 7 through 8. If you endure chastening, everybody say, I'm going to endure. Chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not chasten? The answer is none. But if you're without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you're illegitimate and not sons. That's why we got to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. We got to say, God, whatever's inside of me that's not of you, I don't want it anymore. And we cry out to the Lord. One of the things I do is I cry out to God a lot. I learned this understanding of crying out. And I learned this understanding of not being afraid to let somebody invade my space. That's why I've told you many times I want to call our prayer partner team space invaders. We have to be willing to let somebody invade our space. It's the kingdom way. We can only judge or be judged accurately when we allow ourselves to enter a spiritual relationship with the Lord and the Holy Spirit. This is a phenomenal thing I'm about to teach you. Okay? The only way that you can accurately judge is with a bridled mind and the Holy Spirit. You gotta be, you gotta enter into a spiritual relationship with the Lord. You have to get the mind of Christ. Remember, the world lost its mind in the garden, but now we regain our mind through Christ. So everything that was lost in the garden is now regained, but now I see with spiritual eyes. I see you more as God sees you. And the things that I encourage you and the way I feel for you, the way I advise you, now comes from the Father's heart. And we need people that have the Father's heart ruling and reigning inside of them and how they love, how they speak, and how they correct. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. So remember, the Holy Spirit is a teacher. And the Holy Spirit gives us insight and understanding to do the next part of the scripture, which is comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Another word for comparing is measuring. But now my comparison isn't comparing two of you together or you with me. Now I'm comparing you with God's spiritual standard because I know it in my heart. So to accurately judge is to be spiritual. To accurately judge is to have the mind of Christ. He's going to finish this little bank of chapters. We'll finish our scriptures. We'll finish with this. So now, because the Holy Spirit's teaching, I can compare what's spiritual and not spiritual in your life according to God's standard. Remember the definition of measurement and judging. Always has to be according to God's standard, not mine. So we're able to compare or judge or measure spiritual things with what's spiritual or what's not. Here's the example. The example is between the natural carnal-minded man and the spiritual man. Here it is. You ready? Verse 14. The natural man does not receive. The natural or carnal-minded man that does not have the spirit, that's living from the wrong tree, from the poison and the curse, or living from the intellect, does not receive the things of the spirit of God. 
because they're foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. What that means is, is they're stuck in one way. That's why you can't expect to try to explain these types of spiritual principles or correct somebody that doesn't have the spirit. We want to go correct the world, but the world doesn't know what you know. That's why Jesus said, let me show you how you correct the world. Die for them. Give your life for them. That's what Jesus did. So the conversations that we have with the world, and even those that come in here, I always try to season my messages with palatable understandings that transform them or cause them to want transformation. But God wants us to first be spiritual. And the only way that happens is the next few verses, verse 15. He who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Many people have interpreted the scripture to mean that you can't ever judge me. That's not what it means. It means that the world doesn't judge me. It's comparing the natural man and the spiritual man. And some of you are allowing the world to dictate who you are. Some of you are allowing the world to tell you what is right and wrong, what's spiritual and not spiritual. But what God wants is people that are spiritual. Any one of you, if you're born again, baptized in the spirit, can speak into my life and correct me. And I've heard too many teachers, you can never correct the man of God. Listen, we have too many mogs in America. Man of, people that I'm the man of God, and you can never correct me. Listen, inspect me, refine me. If I have a meeting with Luis and we're at the coffee shop, he says, hey, how are you doing? I say, I'm doing pretty good. How's your marriage? Whew, let's change subjects. No. My marriage is strong. We work through a lot of things. We're growing. We're dying. But the point is, is that Luis has the ability, because I know he's born again, and I know he's full of You are, right? Oh, thank God. He's making sure. No, I know he is. I know he is. But you understand my point, is that we each refine each other. Iron sharpens iron. Okay? Now, if you're going to think that you're going to correct me, you better have the mind of Christ, and you better be spiritual. Because look at the next verse. Who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. It means I can think like him, act like him, talk like him, walk like him, feel like him, and represent him accurately because I got his head in my head. And so now you become spiritual in a sense where I can now process you and all your issues God's way. But the first thing is start to process your own way with him. Let God process together with you. Cry out to him and say, Lord, I want the mind of Christ. So whatever it's going to take, I'm going to believe it, I'm going to adhere to it, and I'm going to go after it. So the spiritual compares all things that are spiritual. Romans eight twenty six. You can't do any of this without the Holy Spirit's help. None of it. You can't do any of it without the Holy Spirit. Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weaknesses. Because you don't actually really know how to pray as you ought to. But the Holy Spirit will teach you how to pray. The Holy Spirit will show you what to pray for. And then from deep within the bowels of your gut, groanings that can be uttered comes out authenticity. Comes out a cry comes out a desperate cry, 
comes out God taking hold of me from the depths of within me. And I groan and I cry out and I utter the mysteries of God as I come into agreement with what he said. The word for that is called supplication. The word supplication means to come into agreement with what God's declared and now pray it. Pray the word. If you don't know what to pray, open up the Psalms and just pray the Psalms. Ask God to lead you and teach you and guide you in how you should pray. And let the Holy Spirit help you. Say, Holy Spirit, help me. Second Corinthians 4. I love this little block of scriptures right here. It's kind of become my top block of scriptures in this last season. The end of chapter 3 and all of chapter 3 is talking about the veil and Moses going to the mountain and the law that was given that blocks the minds of those that don't know God. But then he says that the veil was ripped in two. Everybody say the veil was ripped in two. So now we have access. Say, I have access. And so what it says is I can behold him as in a mirror and be transformed from glory to glory. It's the end of chapter 3. So now you flip over to chapter 4 and it says, hey, now that you have this ability to behold God, and now you should know he's merciful. Paraphrasing it for you. See, I know God is merciful. I know he'll discipline and chasten me, but I know he's merciful. I know God cares for me as a son because I know how I feel about my son. So that even when I throw the toast on the ground, Wait, even when I asked for the toast, but I didn't like the toast I got, and I threw it on the ground. God's merciful and says, here's a holy granola bar. I don't know however he does it. Like that? So when you receive mercy and you're beholding him, guess what happens? You don't lose heart. Don't lose heart, guys. Don't lose heart. Next verse. But instead, you renounce the hidden areas of shame. To renounce the hidden areas of shame is to measure my life. If I got something hidden, I don't want it anymore. And I love that I have a culture that will measure twice, three times, four times, five times before they even cut. Do you understand that your heart is a wick? And God trims your wick so that he can pour his oil in and in turn ignite you with his breath and then open your mouth. How many of you have been seeing this Chenier flaring across the bay, the, the, the flaring going on over at Chenier? I don't know how you can miss it. I mean, it's like huge fire. And I looked at that Chenier flaring and God said, that is your mouth. Because it's out of the mouth from the abundance of the heart Next week, we're going to talk about one body part that's probably the greatest defining factor of where you're at spiritually. The tongue has the ability to shift and either destroy a forest or flame you on. And so what you see here is that you renounce the areas of shame, and I'm not crafty, and I'm not being deceitful, and I'm not teaching you anything out of the word of God that's deceitful or crafty or for my own life. And then it says that, I'm actually manifesting truth, and now I have synergy. I've taught this before. Synergy means that now the sum of the one, two, three, four, five is greater than the one. So now I can be entwined to you because I don't want the shame anymore. 
Do you know how many people come to me and confess porn or they confess something in their life? And guess what it does? It commends us. We actually intertwine now because they were transparent. I have people come tell me, so I'm like, come here, give me a hug. It's going to be all right. I love you. I'm proud of you. Thank you for getting into the light. Now let's get you into process and let's measure your life accurately so we can cut it out. Right? So synergy only comes when I'm not walking in shame. So if you have any shame in your life, you want to renounce that and get it out in the light. You renounce it is to fully forsake it. You say, yeah, but I'm still struggling with it. It starts with one step of bringing it into the light and letting God do the rest. Okay? Measurement first has to start with our house, 1 Peter 4, 17. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not, do not obey the gospel of God? So the point that, he, that, that Peter's making is, look, it's bad news for the world. But it's good news for you. Come out of crisis. Let, let judgment start with me first. See, back in the day, I used to hear like crazy prophetic people get up and just rebuke the church and hammer it on this judgment starts with the house of God. So I'm going to correct you and I'm going to fix you and you're so jacked up. And I'd walk out with more shame. And have you ever been there? I sure have. And the point that I'm trying to make to you is, look, I am part of the house of God. So I say, God, if there's anything in me, I don't want it. If it's not what you want, I don't want it. Lord, help me in the process. Help me to see what's right and what's wrong according to your word. The word's called discernment. Really, the word's discernment. So we learn to discern what's of the Lord and what's not of the Lord. But then we come to this place of saying, God, start with me. And then check this out. If this isn't a family where there's accurate measurement, we're an illegitimate family. And there's not a lot of measuring churches these days, or they're measuring inaccurately and cutting wrong. Trust me. I visited a church not long ago. I'm not going to tell you where, who, how, or when. All I'm going to tell you is I went to this church, and I saw a lot of people that used to be a part of this church there. I say a lot. I don't know, 10 maybe. And I know almost all of their stories. They were flamed on. They came here. The presence was hot. They had all these giftings. They had all these things. They were serving. They got in pretty quickly. We were young. We weren't measuring so, so well because, we, you know, they were here. They were flamed on. And, but as soon as they got into more relationship and needed to be measured, we discovered that there were all these crazy issues going on in their life. And when it started, when we wanted to get in process and to help them, they checked out. Because there's a lot of churches and places you can go and hide. This is not a hiding church, guys. You're going to be a little bit uncomfortable. And there are some people that come here and hide. And I'm, I'm glad you're here. I want you to know that. I'm glad you're here. And I don't want you to just come out and start telling people stuff until you feel confident with the Lord that you're in a safe place and you have relationship. That's why relationships are so important. Can you imagine if I just went around calling everybody out on all your stuff? I'd be a terrible pastor. In my early days of ministry, I was pastoring teenagers. And it was, it was really messy. And I remember I would give all these teenagers advice and insight, and they'd just leave and go do the opposite of what I told them to do. And then they'd come back, and I'd be so mad I'd want to wring their necks. You ever want to wring a teenager's neck? So I said, God, 
I said, Lord, I said, I cannot pastor these kids if I don't see them the way you see them. Listen, I'm a pretty happy, fired up pastor. I know some jaded, angry pastors. I've learned to be in rest in the mess and to love people no matter what they do because people do some crazy things. And so my point is, is you got to have the heartbeat of the Lord. And this has to be a place. Judgment starts first in God's house with me. And then it starts in a place where people can come. But see, if you have a warped view of judgment, you're not going to understand. That's why I couldn't title the message. What was it? The house of judgment. I mean, really? I don't think it'd be the, the least listened to podcast. I'm talking about a non, not popular message. Okay. But when you see it from the way I'm seeing it, and when you understand it, you can get together with Patty, who's a true mother, and open up to her, and she'll love you through it. Okay? She leads our grief share class for those that have lost loved ones. You can get together with Marlene or Lauren or Megan or Tina or my wife, and you'll know that you'll be loved and measured with mercy. Luke chapter 6, verse 43 and 44. A good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. How many of you know what a bramble bush is? A bramble bush in Israel is a six-foot shrub tree that has really droopy branches and is full of giant thorns. And anybody that touches that tree will get stuck. And it's the very thorns that were used to make the crown that Jesus had in his head. Here's what Jesus is saying. If you've crowned your own heart with your own lordship, you're going to hurt and sting everybody that comes out of you and produce bad fruit. That's what Laodicea means. The church of Laodicea means the people's rule. Because the minute that we start judging and leading and put a crown, see this bush, the bramble bush, actually in the days of Jesus, Jesus wasn't the only one that got a, got a fake crown. It was common in the Roman days to take the thorns from the bramble bush and twist a garland or a crown and put it on anybody that prematurely promoted themselves or thought themselves to be a king. And, and the, the mindset of the Romans was, oh, you're a king? Here's your crown. Pow, right into your head. And what happens is, is if Jesus isn't crowned or enthroned upon our heart, I'll stick you every time you come around me. And my, my encouragement or counsel will be thorny. My life will be a thorny bush. I've taught you this in that the garden, the, the thorns and thistles are a result of the curse, and thorns and thistles are identifiers of your heart condition. But the flip side of it is, is check this out. A healthy heart enthroned with Christ gives figs and grapes. And grapes make good wine. And now I got new wine for you. Now what comes out of me is going to be sustaining bread and food full of nourishment and a fresh drink. That's going to refresh your spirit. Even the Holy Spirit is likened into new wine. So, Think the terminology Jesus used here. It's incredible, right? So I want a vineyard in my heart, not thorns and thistles in my heart. 
And finally, I'll leave you with this scripture. If you don't understand mercy with judgment, none of this is going to work. We have to know that God loves us to no end and is full of mercy. James chapter 12 and verse 13. Verse 12 says, speak and do, uh, so speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of what? See, now I see the law not as sin and death. Now I see the law as liberty. So now I'm going to speak and do from a posture of liberty, which is freedom. Isn't that awesome? Check out the next verse. Judgment without mercy to the one who has shown, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. But mercy triumphs over judgment. Yeah! Woo! It's awesome news, guys. I mean, I know I gave you some heavy, revy stuff today. But if we're going to build this church God's way and go where we're called to go, we've got to get this thing down. The revelatory signs and wonders, miracles, all those things, that's not the hard part. Because that's by the Spirit. The hard part is us learning to love and coming into intimate relationship and allowing healthy culture of measurement to happen. Wouldn't you say? Here's the reality is I think most of us actually really do want to be measured. We just want to be measured right with love. And so once you've been given mercy, you can now judge with mercy. And I just want you all to know, I have been shown gobs and gobs and gobs and mountains and mountains and mountains of mercy. I'm a very merciful leader. Even when people here make a lot of mistakes and I get upset or frustrated, it lasts but a second and I'm just full of mercy. You've got to lead your family, your marriage, your children with judgment and mercy. But mercy always triumphs as the number one rule. It's part of the foundation of God's throne, okay? So measurement. And for those of you that need to step into the light or renounce hidden areas of shame or, or are saying, man, I want to be measured. I want to measure right so that I, I want to be measured right so that I can measure right. We want to pray for you today. And I want to call any of you out of hiding in isolation and loneliness. And if you're in that, the only way we're going to fix it is all of us to step into the light together as a family. Okay? Let's all stand.